Diva Bettis. Welcome to the Mr. Diva Becker podcast on keto diets, and disco music, with musical inspiration from legendary disco DJ John Luongo. If you've uh, followed any of your favorite celebrities on social media, gone to the gym, or picked up a magazine at the grocery store, you've probably heard of the keto diet, which is why I want to focus on it tonight in this special podcast. But what is it? What are the pros and cons to adhering to the diet? And what information should you share with your healthcare collaborators? We'll be discussing all of those issues with my special guest tonight, Dr. Michael Grego, who is a naturopathic physician, a chiropractic doctor, and the author of three books, including The Nutritional Ketogenic Diet, Clean Keto versus Dirty Keto, and his latest best-selling book, The Insul Thin Diet. Throughout the podcast, you're invited to join the conversation Call into our studio line at 347-215-8551. That's 347-215-8551 with your questions and comments. Our musical inspiration tonight is the legendary DJ, John Luongo. He's considered to be the first to create dance remixes and extended mixes of your favorite songs and keep you dancing all night long on the dance floor. He's a DJ, a remixer, a writer, a publisher, and a manager, and throughout this podcast, we'll be featuring music from the essential John Luongo, courtesy of Sony Music. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to meet my special guest, Dr. Grego, and get into a conversation all about keto diets. But first, I wanted to play one of my other favorite songs just to get you up and moving. It saved the overtime for me by Gladys Knight and the Pips. This was a huge hit in the 80s and a huge hit on the dance floor. Enjoy the song, courtesy of Sony Music.
All right, welcome back to the Mr. Diabetic Podcast. That was Gladys Knight, who just announced recently she's on her farewell tour, and we're hoping she's like Cher, where she has many incarnations of farewell, because we just love her music. Now, before we start this interview with Dr. Mike Grego, I just want to say I'm hoping for peace in the Middle East, and to all our Jewish listeners, my heart goes out to you during this difficult time. Please accept my sincere sympathies about what happened uh, about a week and a half ago, and um, your, our prayers are with you. And so are, with that, we're going to begin the podcast and take on this red-hot topic in the diabetes community about keto diets. So please welcome my special do- uh, guest, Dr. Mike Grego. Hello, Dr. Mike. Hello, Max. How's everybody doing? Great. I just love the enthusiasm you share on uh, all your social media posts and just with that same greeting. And uh, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos, but I'm sure some of my audience isn't quite familiar with you or your books. And I thought to get familiar with you, it'd be great for you to just give us a little background on what got you involved in the insulin diet and helping people with their health and wellness goals. Sure. Um, basically, that started with my grandfather, about nine or ten years old. We worked on an organic farm, a regenerative organic farm. Of course, we didn't call it that. We just called it hard work. Got up there, and we did uh, turning the compost pile. We had a cover crop called soy that we drove back in to remineralize the soil. And so that's kind of where I started. T.C. Fry, Herbert Shelton, Norman Walker, these were all food hygienists. These were herbalists. And so that's kind of where it started that early. So you could kind of say I was naturally indoctrinated. And then I went to chiropractic school up at Life, and then I went to naturopathic school, and then I went to uh, get certified in functional neurology. We actually ran a neuropathy clinic for, for many years before we got into the weight loss side of things. I'm just curious, like, uh, now that you mentioned <laughs> neuropathy, were you seeing a lot of patients with balance issues as a chiropractor based on their neuropathy, especially with patients with diabetes? 100%. Yes. Yes, yes which kind of led us over into the keto part of the diet because the nerves, the uh, myelin sheath is covered primarily with fat. Our brain is primarily made of cholesterol. Our 100 trillion cells have a diphospholipid membrane, which, of course, is fat. Uh, So all these things needed to be addressed if their balance issues were going to be fixed or, you know, reversed and same with their their neuropathies. Got to take care of the nerves, right? Absolutely, like getting to the root of the cause. All right, well, before celebrities started getting on this Ozempic and Wego kick, it seems like everyone was on a keto diet in Hollywood. So why don't you define what keto diet is to our listeners? Sure. Keto is essentially good fats. Uh, 80, 15, and 5 is the technical macro ratio, 80% fat, 15% protein, and 5% carbs. It is rather rigid. If you're going to maintain it, you need to keep a millimole of at least 1.0 in the blood for BHB. I know a lot of people mistakenly, they go to the urine and they get the little purple sticks and they urinate on them and they change color and, oh, I'm in ketosis. That's uh, acetoacetate and um, that's the type of ketone that is not going to tell you that you're in ketosis because that gets used to make BHB which you can only measure in the blood. 
So really, if people want to be in true ketosis, they've got to get a little stick, just like a sugar, like you're checking your sugar, but instead it's a ketone meter, and it should read around one millimole if you're going to be in true ketosis. Does that and make what sense? happens when my body is in ketosis? What's going to happen to my body? Well, you're, <laughs> you're going to burn fat for fuel instead of sugar. So when obviously we have a lot of fat on our, on our bodies, the uh, macro count like a fat is nine kilocalories per gram of energy and sugar and protein is four kilocalories. So it's like 225% more energy coming from adipocytes or fat cells. And so we can get into those. Uh, it's a good thing. Now, I, you know, you said I'm, I was all about keto. Now, I have done an evolution of sorts and an iteration into insulin and keeping in harmony with dichotomy. And I'd like to explain that if I could for a minute. Sure. Is okay? We can get that? Sure. Okay. So essentially, if we look at life, everything is duality, right? We have up, down, inside, outside, hot, cold, heaven, hell, east, west, right, wrong. So same thing in the body. Right? We have the parasympathetic nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system. We have oxygen, carbon dioxide. We have testosterone and estrogen. In essence, we have those oppositions so we can flex and find a, a happy medium. Right? That, in the body, that's called homeostasis, and that is the number one goal. And so that's where it got me thinking, if I'm always in ketosis, why do we have this other system called glycolysis to burn sugar? I mean, if we're always supposed to burn fat, why is the sugar there? And it turns out that we should be adaptable. We should be flexible between carbohydrates and fat. So when the carbs run out, the fats take over. Thereby, we're honoring right homeostasis or myot or balance in the body. Does that make sense? A little bit. I'm sure it's a little bit over people's heads. So um, okay. I do hear what you're saying, but I'm just trying to think of, some of the words you're using, they might not be that familiar with. Uh, and I know they could go pick up your book, uh, Insult Spin, which we'll post on our website afterwards so they could find out more. Right. Well, and I'll also you do to... offer videos mm -hmm. on it too, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, how do, you, how do you explain harmony? When you're at harmony, you have both sides working together, right, in, in peace and tranquility, and everybody's kind of happy. How do I say this? In the dualistic nature of love, right, if, if we didn't have an opposition or somebody to love, then it would just be narcissism, right? We would just be loving ourselves. And not, so there's duality, that's the duality, right, is what I'm trying to get. So pretty much everything in nature, everything in the universe, look at the atoms. We have protons, you have electrons, you have magnetism, north pole, south pole, right? So you have this duality, right, feature going everywhere. And it's like, well, and that's what I stopped and I said, well, well, okay, wait a minute. If it's everywhere, is it in fuel systems too? Is it in what we eat? Does that matter? And it turns out that if we're going to, we go back to hunter-gatherer, right? Uh, we didn't right. shoot and kill every, everything every three hours. We didn't shoot and kill something every three hours so we can eat, right? There were long periods of time where we didn't eat. So carbohydrates typically only last, oh, my gosh, maybe a day between what's in your liver and what's in your muscles. And then if you didn't burn fat, well, you would, uh, you would die. <laughs> so we, we have to be, maintain that flexibility. And so that's why, for example, in the insulin book, we talk about the three Fs, fiber, fat, and fasting. 
So with these three keys, we can kind of un- unlock that flexibility and honor that balance between burning sugar for fuel and burning fat for fuel. So we can be Got healthy. It. All right. Okay. So before we take a quick break and see if we have any callers and listen to more music, how does the insulin diet stack up against something like the Atkins diet, which everyone's familiar with, which also is a low-carb diet in its most basic form? Right. The most basic form is we are insulin-centric. I mean, we focus around insulin. We don't focus on carbs or calories, for example. And if I, like I ask patients all the time, if you were to eat a donut, let's say a thousand calories of donuts, would you go uh, down in weight or up in weight? And of course, they're like, I would go up in weight. And I said, okay, well, if I ate a thousand um, calories of avocado, I would go down in weight on that same thousand. So what's the difference if it's not in the calories? Wh- where is the what's going on? Well, it turns out the calories don't have a GPS. So you know they're a measurement of energy. When we eat a calorie, it doesn't know where to go. Does it go to the muscle? Does it go to, for energy to work? Or does it go stored in our fat cells? And it turns out that insulin is the GPS for calories. So if insulin is elevated, those calories are going to be stored as fat. If insulin is lowered, then we can use the, those calories for energy. And so we focus on insulin. Pretty much everybody else focuses on carbs and calories. Got it. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to go through the pros and cons of adapting, adopting a keto diet. But first, we're going to take a quick musical break. And before we do, I just want to remind you listeners that there's still time to register for tomorrow's World Menopause Day event on Zoom with Tita Bedick. Her guests will be Dr. Julianne Arena, Donna Rice, and Amparo who will be joining Catherine Schuler on a panel discussion, which will be followed by a sugar-free baking demonstration with the diabetic pastry chef. She's so popular, I think she's going to be doing a sugar-free rum cake with Splenda for you listeners, so make sure you register at diabetic.org. Okay, here's a quick break with another wonderful remix by John Luongo. Uh, This time he teamed up with one of my favorite singers, Marlena Shaw, for a rendition of Diana Ross's iconic hit, Touch me in the morning, but this is a disco infused rendition. Let's hear it. I can understand your feeling that way. Everybody's got their life to live. Well, I can say goodbye in the cold morning light. But I can't watch love die in the warmth of the night. If I got to be strong, don't you know I need you? All right, welcome back to the Mr. Diva Berg Show on Keto Diets with our special guest, Dr. Mike Rego. You're invited to join the conversation. Call into our studio line at 347-215-8551. That's 347-215-8551 with your questions and comments. All right, Dr. Grego, I'm just curious. Are you on this diet, and how long have you been on it, and why would you have adopted a keto diet if you did go on it? Sure, i been on keto for about eight years 
And like I said earlier, though, I didn't. I, I, evo- I made an evolution. You made a step up, I believe, by honoring both sides of ketosis and glycolysis with the insulin diet. So I've been on that for the remainder of 12 years, all total. And again, what, why did I do that? Because I, I wanted more energy. I was a little bit overweight. I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like the way I felt. And so I changed. I changed. I thought, you know, by eating the way I was eating, wasn't doing anything. So I needed something different. And that's when I looked to high fat, low carb, and then eventually the balance between fat and carbs, right? With the insulin, focusing on insulin, keeping that mitigated or lower. So that, I mean, every, every chronic degenerative disease today is driven by hyperinsulin. We, you know it as insulin resistance, right? Or metabolic syndrome. Right, insulin all three of those those syndrome, things. yeah. Right. So, so this really helps someone same. with insulin. This is something that really helps for people who are insulin resistant. Absolutely, yes. But when, that's, what, that's the whole purpose. <laughs> that's the all whole right, purpose so before we get it. Before we get into uh, the Mayo Clinic's pros and cons list, I just I, I did see this on online with you that you don't eat breakfast and you do ask uh, people who follow this diet not to. Why don't you eat breakfast? Autophagy and apoptosis. Let the body clean itself up. It can only do that in a fasted state. And by the way, 2016 Nobel Prize winner, I can't pronounce his name, he's Japanese, but he won the Nobel Prize for discovering how effective and useful autophagy is for human beings. So that's why I give my body a break to clean, let it clean itself up. Right. You mentioned the three Fs earlier, and one of them was fasting. So is, is this, is the, so not eating breakfast, is that considered the fasting portion of the three Fs, or am I getting that wrong? No, you're getting it right. Max, you're right, right on, 100%. So we, we say when don't. do you stop eating? When do you stop eating at night? 5 o'clock. Five and then you don't eat till, and then till, when's the next time you eat? Uh, 12, or maybe sometimes push it to 1. So I like a 4 or 5 hour window, no longer than 4 or 5 hour eating, eating window. Mm-hmm. Why would eat and, 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 most, the rest. and that's pretty much what you uh, recommend to the people who follow the diet, right? Something where they stop around well, 5 I mean, o'clock and don't. We, we all came from hunter-gatherers. Again, not, we didn't shoot and kill something every three hours. <laughs> we weren't that great of hunters. You know, we had to go three days sometimes. So we were innately built for, for fasting. We have counter-regulatory hormones when insulin goes low to keep our energy up, like adrenaline and noradrenaline and we have things to heal the body growth hormone comes out more testosterone comes out more cortisol sharpens the mind so we, we didn't have uber back then right so we had to go get we had to go get our food we couldn't just lay in the, underneath a tree or a cave we had to go get it so we have these counter-regulatory hormones for when, when there's not enough food right when food is scarce so yeah we're, we're built i'll be it. honest yeah, I'll be honest. If I had to pluck a chicken like my grandmother used to, I probably would never eat chicken. So I, I totally get the hunter-gatherer thing. I think a lot of people would have a different uh, diet if they had to actually hunt and gather, like you said. All right, let's go through the pros and cons. Uh, this is a list by the Mayo Clinic. I think some of these things on the pro side you've already talked about because you just mentioned several right now. But one of the big ones is a short-term weight loss. Have you seen with your patient population uh, short-term weight loss? And 
specifically related to women over the age of 40, what might they expect since that's a big part of our diabetes diabetic community? Well, I'll tell you, Max, what I think is kind of ironic in a way, answering this question, is that people say, you know, I'm, I'm on low carbs and I'm fat burning. Well, to understand physiology, you have to know that burning carbs is in glycolysis. There's a system to do to burn carbs and sugars. It's called glycolysis. There's a system to burn fat. That's called ketosis. So if you really want to burn fat, you really need to get into ketosis because that is a, the system designed to do just that, right, burn fat. So, yeah, 100%. If you're going to burn fat, you're going to, you have to be in ketosis. So what that. kind of weight loss could someone uh, ballpark a weight loss for someone who was going to adopt this diet, the insult? Thin diet, we're specifically right, right, about. and they focused on that and keeping insulin down. Wow, I mean, I dropped, I dropped forty pounds in in two months. And the males are going to have it easier, but the females do take a little longer. So if if a male can drop, say, twenty pounds in in a, in a month, it might take two or three months on the outside for a female because of the body composition. You know, muscle burns more calories than fat does, so. Um, just by by genetics, okay. right? women don't have as much muscle, right? Right. Generally speaking, so it takes a little slower right, to burn it. All right. So the next okay. one, which I could also see as kind of a con, is increased awareness of the food and nutrient intake. This is a list of the pros by compiled by the Mayo Clinic for anyone listening. So the increased awareness of food and nutrition uh, nutrient intake. You've kind of discussed this, where we're very we become much more hyper aware of what we're eating because we're staying to that ratio that you mentioned earlier. That you might want to remind people again about the eighty percent carbohydrate and um, how you broke it down. Right. Eighty is eighty percent fat, fifteen percent protein, and five percent carbs. So eighty, fifteen, and five would be a strict keto. Uh, and again. We, with, the, with the iteration and the evolution of the insulin diet, it's a little more relaxed because we still have the good fats and it can't ever get rid of the good fats, but we, we look at the insulin levels, not necessarily the millimoles of ketones, right, in the blood. We look for the rise. That's why I created a calculator so that we can actually see before we eat how much insulin might be coming out of a meal. And so that's included with the book. And, again, anything that I mentioned is on onlydiabetics.com. Um, okay. Any of the fiber, the fat pills we have, we have everything for the hacks that people can't get to the right foods or to eat or whatever. Sometimes you go out to eat and there's a lot of seed oils out there. You're familiar with seed oils are not the best in the world, especially for belly fat. The liver can't, has to deal with those oils. They want to talk about vegetable oil, canola oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, grape seed oil. They're called the hateful eight. But the, the point is that, the liver has to deal with them through a process called de novo lipogenesis. Real simple, de novo means new, lipo is fat, genesis is creation of. And so this the kind of fat that the liver creates is white belly fat, visceral fat. It makes them, you know, makes your, your gut. It makes your gut sure. bigger. So, um, yeah, so All right. that's kind of how that goes. And our third pro is uh, from the Mayo Clinic about adopting a keto diet, and um, you're obviously applying it to the insulin diet, which I appreciate, is um, an idea that you could have a decreased hunger between meals. 
Um, I'm curious how that, why, why would I have a decreased hunger between meals? Simply put, fat is more satiating. Fat is heavier. It takes longer to digest, longer to process. It's heavy on the system. It sits down and you just feel fuller, longer. When you eat is good, that like, good so fat. what would be something, is that like uh, just an example, one example of something I would eat of fat that would help, say, you know, keep me satisfied until the next meal? Is that like a half an avocado or something? What would you say, to, what would you call that? Oh, well, avocado would be a good choice. Now, see, I would go to some of the nuts, like Brazil nuts, macadamia nuts are very high in fat, and they're very filling. And obviously, they're, they're not going to put weight on you, especially if you're, you're helping your ketosis or your fat burning, right? So absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Dr. Grego and I are going to talk about the cons to a keto diet uh, on the list by the Mayo Clinic. But right now, we're going to hear some more great music. We've got another wonderful song by Gladys Knight and the Pips called I Will Fight. Here we go. Enjoy the song by uh, Courtesy of Sony Music. All right, we're back with the Mr. Divadoc Show on Keto Diets, talking to our special guest, Dr. Mike Grego, and that was music by legendary DJ John Wango, who, um, Luango, excuse me, and uh, one of the first creators of the extended or remakes of some of your favorite songs. We're playing all that music all night long, courtesy of Sony Music. All right, so um, we're going to come back to the, the cons uh, of the list of the Mayo Clinic for adopting a keto diet. But before we do that, we reached out to our Diva Better community, I want to give you some of the listeners' uh, cons to why they might not want to choose to go on this diet. The first one we got from Evelyn in um, Vermont. She said, you never Mm -hmm. see food as food. You only see food as numbers. Some people, you stop listening to your body, and you uh, have to force down tablespoons of oil or protein to get the fat in the proteins in your diet. How do you respond to that? Mm -hmm. You never see food as food. Or you you only see food as numbers. Yeah, that's true, uh, and that's one of the restrictive qualities of true keto, which is why, again, we ev- we evolution we evolutionized it to the next level. We brought it up again to mix in a more cornucopia, if you will, uh, between meats and even some cheeses with the true, the insulin diet again focusing on whole foods. We tell the people to shop around the grocery store, right? Around the grocery store, whole foods, try not to spend any money or time in the middle for all the processed foods, processed oils, the foods without any fiber, right, are are located. And so shopping around the outside of the store, keeping an eye on the rise of insulin right before we eat because it's the hyperinsulin, excessive insulin that causes problems in people. And so we, that's where we, again, that's where we shift our okay. attention because she's right. It is very number-centric and, I, oops, I ate too much, too many carbs or too many of this. It kicked me out. So, again, we evolved into, into the insulin right. diet. 
from the and, community. And um, Josie from Kentucky said it's hard to go out and be social with your friends because <laughs> of the restrictions, yeah. the restrict, especially at favorite restaurants. So how, what would Absolutely. you say to Josie? I would say bring a bottle of fiber or, or fiber or super fiber. Take a few fibers before you eat. Don't be the odd guy out or the odd woman out because we are very social creatures. We need that interaction. We don't want to be looked at as different or odd or somebody that needs some special care, you know, because that's, that's just not being social, right, on, on a level. So absolutely, um, bring some fiber, mitigate the insulin off that meal, and just know that, you know, Monday's coming back around and you can get back. You can get back to you know back to focusing. So you know what and what's what you need to do, right? Okay. So. And um, Timothy in London, we do have male listeners, by the way, and so we're excited that okay. Timothy wrote in with this one. He feels it creates fear, fear of food. You get scared to eat carbs, and you're afraid you'll gain back the weight mm-hmm. you lost. And so the demonizing of carbohydrates is why I don't want to do it because I feel like you, I've unleashed the beast in the past and ended up gaining back the weight I lost on a keto so, diet, which I know you just said it's a different diet, but this is right. an important issue for people. I think uh, we all know by this point a lot of people – uh, try to adopt a healthy behavior, and it might take a couple of times before it really sticks. So I do think this is an interesting point that Timothy is bringing up around a fear of food and being scared of eating a carb. Yeah, ab- absolutely, Max, 100%. I, I know that if the, if you need a lifestyle, first and foremost, it's not a diet. You need to really live it, you need a way to live that's enjoyable, because if you hate it and you don't like it, you're certainly your willpower will wane, right? You're only going to do it for X amount of time, and you're going to go right back, as your listener uh, so evidently pointed out. So, my point is, you know, during the the, <clears throat> the insulin diet is a lifestyle. It's an enjoyable lifestyle that we put in there. That again, on those days that we have parties or we want to go out to eat here or there, we're really centered on the insulin amount that's coming off of the food that we may be eating. There might not be the whole foods that are around the store. Maybe they're, they come from the inside of the store. Well, then mitigate the insulin. Again, mitigate with the fiber, the fat, and the fasting. So any one of those three will take down insulin to a normal level, right, to one that won't harm us and won't put fat on us, able us, enable us rather to get into our fat so we can exercise it off, change white visceral fat to brown fat so that we can, we can use it and lose it, right? That's kind of kind of the whole point. I know and that's a good point to bring up. And Natalie from Philadelphia, who has attended several of our diabetic club meetings and past Make Over Your Diabetes programs, said it was um, hard to stay on it. And when I mm-hmm. went off it, I seemed to be cheating more than I should to go on it. Mm-hmm. So she really wanted to know, like, how long can she? Is this a lifelong diet, or is this like a four to six week program, like a lot of keto? Diets seem to come with guidelines now that you stay on them for uh, short periods of time and then go back on them. Right. Well, technically, keto was a strict lifestyle. It was a way of living. But, again, that's why it was, it was too strict. It wasn't really doable. And so we, again, we evolutioned up until, I believe, the next level, which was focusing on insulin, still keeping the good fats around, obviously the avocados, the coconuts, the butter, uh, the olive oil, 
and and yet still enjoying the rest of life because we can have cake like instead of whole wheat, so we use almond flour. Instead of sugar, we use monk fruit or stevia, right? So we're just switching out ingredients that we can still have our cake and eat it too without harming us, right, without hurting us, if that, that makes sense. So we can still have fun right, at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's what Josie was bringing up, was just wanting to still have fun while she was doing this to on her journey for better health. So I, I love it. Okay, so the one, the last question before I take another break was just the male clinic in the con list of why adopting a keto-based diet was the uh, idea of a keto flu that some people mm. might experience um, flu-like symptoms, headaches, fatigue, constipation, diarrhea, et cetera, et cetera. Is that something that you've seen happen with your patients? And is, I know it's it's saying it's a short-term thing, but I'm just wondering what that someone might ex, uh, experience. Or yes, expect, and uh, yes. yes and yes. What it, there's two two reasons why that happens. One is when you first go on keto, you're going to lose a lot of water. And so we highly recommend the Himalayan salt or the Celtic salt so that we get the minerals back in because that's dehydration, taking out too many minerals, we feel really, really bad. Also, when you first start opening up fat cells, they're like toxic Tupperware containers that hold all the poisons and the pollutants and everything we've ingested that we shouldn't have. And so when we open up fat cells and to a larger degree, we get that overrun of, you know, cold-like symptoms. It's actually called a Hirschheimer's reaction. Uh, Dr. Hirschheimer is famous for actually coining that term, but um, what happens to people in that situation. But that's, that's it. So it, it passes. And, again, we keep up with the hydration and the, the mineral salts, make sure we're getting the right salt and to remineralize. All right, we're going to take one more short break, and when we come back, we're going to just hear more about some of the patient testimonials around women going on either the insulin diet or the keto diet with Dr. Mike Grego. But first, I just want to remind you, our first ebook is out. It's called Sweet Romance, A Woman's Guide to Love and Intimacy with Diabetes. It's available on Amazon, uh, Kindle Amazon. It's $4.99, but if you're on Kindle Prime, you could get it for free. <laughs> which is fabulous. So I hope you pick up your copy today. Here's Melba Moore with You Stepped Into My Life, courtesy of Sony Music. Oh, I love that song. Welcome back to the Mr. Diabetic Show on Keto Diets. Um, Dr. Grego, you've also <laughs> created the number one diabetic diet program called the 90-Day Reversing Diabetes Program. Tell us a little bit about yes. that, uh, what this program is. Wow. Yes, this is specifically for type 1, type 1 and a half, or type 2 diabetics. It addresses the key reasons why 
someone is a diabetic, for example, uh, if a woman is a type 2 diabetic, then we know that's a capacity issue. Uh, we know that for a couple of reasons. Like capacity, I mean, inside the cell, it's, it's been overdosed with glucose. So there's no more room for insulin to push more glucose into the cell, and it spills out into the blood or the urine, and that's when we get the diagnosis of diabetes. Anybody that's experienced the dawn phenomenon, where they take their sugars at sure. night and they're relatively normal, right? And they wake up in the morning and they haven't cheated. They wake up in the morning and there's more sugar. It's like, where did that sugar come from? Stuff cells get an opportunity to dump or empty the sugar that's inside of them. So that's why we continue that process with intermittent fasting. We don't break fast with breakfast, right? Which is one of the key components with the 90-day program is to allow that purging to continue. But it seems like there's still a little confusion about what you said right at the top of the show about people okay. thinking they are in the zone with it and maybe not being in the zone with it as far as ketoacidosis. So can you just repeat how would someone, we'll just take me, for example, like you, you did mention this at the beginning, like what I'm sure this is, applies to the 90-day diet too, like how, how, I, how I could be sure I'm actually – like you said, burning what I need to be burning versus just attempting to do it in my own way, I guess. <laughs> right, and getting ketones out of control where you get into Yeah, PKA, well, you were right, saying like the urine, some of the urine tests are right. Some of the urine tests are misleading. So, I mean, on your uh, going back to the insulin mm-hmm. diet for a minute, and even talking about this ninety-day reversing your diabetes program. How do you know when you're effectively doing it, or is it just something like? If you're not seeing a change after three to seven days, perhaps you're not <laughs> managing it correctly. I don't know. I'm just curious because it does seem like it is an obstacle. It could be a, a common obstacle for people. Sure. Um, how do you know? Okay, I'll give you a good – this is a 50-cent test that anybody could do at home. If you're truly in primarily using ketones for your fuel by being in ketosis, then when you taste sugar – it tastes like nothing or sawdust, sheetrock dust. It's more like a, it's literally like sheetrock dust. So because you don't get any of that woo feeling, you don't get any of that high, you don't get, you know, chocolate. If I remember the first time I got in, I, I took a bite. My favorite bar was go-to bar at that time was a Trader Joe's Pound Plus Bar, Belgian chocolate right, with almonds. And I took a bite of that thing, and I said, wow, how do you ruin chocolate? This doesn't even taste like chocolate. I'm getting no kind of feeling from it whatsoever. And then uh, I was about to take another bite. And then, you know, the light bulb went off and said, hey, your brain is using ketones, not glucose. You're not going to get that woo factor, that, aha, I just say chocolate. It tastes and feels so good. You know, uh, and it was a little depressing, <laughs> I'll be honest. But that's how you can tell, honestly, if this sugar still tastes sweet, you're burning it. You're still burning. Your brain has not transformed. Trans- over. The body goes first. You can do a body in a week, two weeks, right? You can get it, but a brain takes a little bit longer to come on into ketosis. And again, one of the easiest ways to just taste sugar. If you taste sugar and it tastes sweet, you're you're not into ketosis. You're not you're not keto adapted. You're not fat adapted at that point. No, I I, I think that is really clear, and I think anyone listening 
who's interested, tell them how they could get your book and how they could find out more about you because you do offer a lot of YouTube videos and um, companion to the book for anyone who could be, sure. you know, dealing with any of these common obstacles we said to help them continue on their health journey. Um, well, the book, again, the insulin diet would be a great place to start because it's a cookbook. Like half of the book is a cookbook. The first part is a book. And then you also get a, an insulin calculator. You know, it's a, you know it's a, it'd be the ebook, or even if you get the soft cover, there's a link to the calculator. So you just, because obviously it's web-based. Um, and anything I, sp- I speak about tonight or anything I, I talked about, you want to know more, it's onlydiabetics.com is the site that will take you anywhere you want to go. Find out about diabetes and, and women and how we can help them, the 90-day program. Everything's there, onlydiabetics.com. And they could Google you on YouTube, search for Dr. Mike Rego on YouTube like I did. And Absolutely. There's a bunch of videos and other interviews with you that pop up. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Don't forget, tomorrow night we have a world menopause day event on zoom it's free you can register right now at divabetic.org and eventbrite we're going to hear one more song from the essential john luongo collection courtesy of sony music this time he teamed up with angela clemens uh to offer us a disco infused rendition of the chairman of the board's big hit give me just a little bit more time uh courtesy of sony music remember every diva has an entourage and i'm so glad to be part of yours let's get happy and healthy together Thanks again, Dr. Grego, for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Sure, you're welcome. Thank you.